Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We are so happy you're here with us. We're starting a brand new series called Fake News. Over the next number of weeks, we're learning to distinguish between fact and fiction. I think you're going to enjoy it. So sit back, relax. We're starting in Luke chapter 14. Here it is. It says this in verse 11. It says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then he turned to his host, this is Jesus speaking, he said, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, or rich neighbors, for they will invite you back and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay. Thank you so much, Prince. Man, we are honored that you guys took the time to be here with us this morning. Uh, if this is your first time at Kingdom Church, we want to let you guys know we are so uh, excited you guys could be here with us. Uh, my name's Harrison. I'm the pastor here. And we want to let you guys know, uh, as a church, we're willing to do whatever it takes for you to experience Jesus. Uh, we are beginning a brand new series. Anyone excited for this one? Awesome. I, uh, I was reading a study this week. There was a study done at the University of Massachusetts, and uh, they came to a conclusion uh, from this study, and the conclusion that they came to was that people lie all the time. People lie all the time. So what they did in this study is they brought people into a room, two people at a time, and they said that all you have to do is have a conversation with each other for 10 minutes. And as far as the participants were aware, all they were doing in this study was just talking with each other because the people wanted to uh, just uh, examine how people interacted uh, with each other. So they're in this room for 10 minutes. And uh, after this 10-minute conversation, people uh, were then taken into a back room and they were forced to watch. Well, not forced. <laughs> they had to watch back their conversation. And the only thing they had to do as they were watching this conversation, the people said, I need you to tell us every single time you said something that wasn't true. Anytime you lie, just let us know. And so the thing that was so interesting as they went back to this conversation over and over again, people realized that they had lied in the midst of this conversation. And the thing that was so fascinating is that most people, uh, until they watched it back, they didn't even realize that they were lying. So what this study found was that 60% of the people uh, in this study said something that was not true. And on average, they actually said two or three things per study that weren't true. And what they found was that men uh, and women actually don't lie at a different rate. Both boys, girls, male, female lie at pretty well the same rate. And uh, what they found, though, was that although males and females both lie, how they lie is different. Do you guys think you know what they did? So, for, and tell me if you guys agree with this. Males, what they did, whenever they would lie, generally speaking, they would tell a lie that made them look better. <laughs> Females, on the other hand, every single time they told a lie, for the most part, their lies were to make other people feel better. So, for example, they would say that, yeah, I do like that restaurant, or yeah, I do like so-and-so, whatever it may be. So a lot of times the lies that the females told 
or to make the men or whoever else they were talking to feel better. Uh, and that's how their, their lives differed. But the conclusion of this study, what this study said, and, and the article and the title of the study was most people in everyday conversations lie. Most people lie. And as I heard this, as I read this article, I, I started to think, because we're starting a brand new series here at church, and, and what I thought to myself is if every single day, if people all the time lie, and a lot of times don't even know they're lying, that means just by default, a lot of us are surrounded by lies. We're surrounded by things that are not true. And so if we are surrounded by things that are not true, if we are surrounded by lies, how then do we tell the difference between what is true and what is false? You see, we're beginning a brand new series at church here called Fake News. And the underlying uh, subtitle is Exposing the Lies That We Live By. You see, I have a belief, and I didn't need to read this study uh, to, to, to feel that to be true, but I think that every single day, all of us are surrounded by untruths. And what happens with untruth is I think that there are many of us, some of us in this room, that live every day based on lies. And lies are different. A lot of us, we see lies about other people. We believe things about other people, and so it affects how we see other people. For a lot of us, we believe lies about God about God's character, who God is, what he wants to do in our lives. And so we have this, this false picture, this false perception of who God is. For some of us, and perhaps most damning, we believe lies about ourselves. We be, believe lies about ourselves. I could not tell you every single day people that I meet and they say, I don't have any time in my life. I don't have any talents. I don't have any, anything that I can offer. And I want to say, and we're not talking about that today specifically, but that is a lie. It's a lie. And so what I want to do over the course of the next number of weeks, I want to begin to expose some of the biggest lies that we as people live by, what we call fake news. And now I'll just say this in case you are worried this series is not political in any way. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I know we're Canadians and for some reason we care more about American politics than our own. But uh, I'm not going to go there in this series. Uh, but for those who did not get the, the reference to fake news, what it is is just fake news is something that we believe, something that we hear that is not true. And, and it's crazy because we live in this information age. We are surrounded and, 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 and information and, and social media and the news, it's at the, at the tips of our fingers every single day. And, and it's crazy because although we have so much information, although we are surrounded it's harder than ever to distinguish between what is true and what is false. And so what I want us to do in this series is I want to begin to expose some of these lines, some of these lies that we believe. And I'll say this, because if we're saying to ourselves, how do we know between what is false and what is true? Uh, I'll say this, the barometer for our series is going to be the Bible. I have a belief, and if you don't like it, please stay. But I have a belief that, that, that the Bible is the Word of God. And so I would much rather, in this series, I'm not going to give you my advice. I'm going to tell you guys what God has to say about things. Because I would much rather you guys uh, see what God has to say about us, what God has to say about other people, than what I have to say or what social media or whatever news articles we read. So in this series, we're going to be studying the Bible, and we're going to be seeing what God actually thinks about us. So in this series, uh, we don't have titles for our messages. We have headlines, because it's fake news. So I want to give you the headline for this morning's message. The headline for our message this morning is, Why Can't We Be Friends? 
Why can't we be friends? Have you guys heard that song before? It's funny, uh, we live in an interesting time period uh, in life. Did you guys know we live in a messed up world right now? Like, well, the world is so weird, the world is so interesting. I was just trying to think of like where we're at uh, in 2019 with life and, and how, how we just see things, how we see each other, how we see people. And one thing I've sort of realized is I think there's sort of this false sense of unity that we have in 2019. One thing, if you guys ever just even just hear, you guys may have heard this before, but in 2019, it's like we accept everyone. Have you guys heard that before? And sometimes like they'll say, like, oh, come on, it's 2019. Don't you think we should accept people by now? Don't you think we should accept everyone no matter what they believe? And so as a society and as a culture, we have this sense of unity, right? Where it's like, man, we're so united in 2019. No one, no one is discriminated. We all believe what we want to believe, and it's all good. And that's kind of this running underlined theme, but I actually don't think that's true. I think it's a false sense of unity as compared to what we actually believe as people. I was, um, how many of you guys know who Bruce Jenner is? Bruce is now known as Caitlyn. And uh, for those of you guys who don't know his story, uh, in 2015, Bruce made the transition from a male to a female. And uh, as he made the transition back in 2015, uh, he, then she became a champion for human rights. It was like, yes, uh, this is 2015, we accept everyone, and she became the poster child uh, for transgenders. And it was like, yes, we accept her, yes, we loved her, and she was kind of put on this pedestal, everyone's like, yes, equality, hugs, high fives, all that good stuff. Because she fit with the narrative that it's 2015, we can all accept everyone. But what happened was very interesting. Uh, soon after she transitioned, she did an, interv did an interview. And in this interview, she said to the person that she was interviewing, that she believes in traditional marriage between a man and a woman. And at this time, for those who know the internet age that we live in, there was an outrage. Outrage. People said, who does, this, who does she think she is? We accepted her how she is, and now she's not going to accept what we believe on marriage. And there was just outrage. And so all of a sudden, this poster child became this almost villain. And it's funny, and I'm not trying to offer opinions on anything. All I'm saying, I'm trying to paint a picture of the world that we live in. You see, the sense of unity is that we are united when everyone falls into this specific line. But as soon as someone falls out of that line, all of a sudden it's like, that person is the worst person ever. That person is a bigot. It's, it's a false sense of unity. Do you guys see what I'm saying? I'm just trying to paint a picture. You know, we all say things like, man, I accept, I love every single person. Wait a second, you don't vaccinate your kids? <laughs> you guys know what it's like. I love everyone. Excuse me, you, you support Donald Trump? And so I'm, I'm just painting a picture. You see, we have this idea that we're united, right? Like, we're all one, we're all buddy-buddy. But what I found and what I believe to be true is that all of us in this world, we are united until we're not. We're united as long as someone agrees with us. And so what happens is we have this false sense of unity. And I'm just trying to paint a picture of what I think that our world is like. It's funny, it's the same thing in the church. It doesn't, it doesn't just extend outside the church. It's just like, man, we're the body of Christ. We all love each other. I'm sorry, how do you interpret Revelation chapter 20? It's like, man, we are all God's children. What did you say about spiritual gifts? And so it's, again, it's, it's unity. We're united until we're not. In this series, what we want to do is we want to begin to expose lies and we want to, 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 
to match those lies up against what we believe is truth. I think right now this idea of unity and disunity, I, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I think right now in the history of the church, especially here in Canada, there has never been a greater divide between secular society and church. In secular society, there's never been a greater divide between politics, between ideologies, between beliefs than there are now. And so as a people, we are divided. We're divided. And so every single week in this series, I want to begin to expose a lie, and I want to bring the truth out of it. So here is the lie that I want us to look at this morning. I believe that the lie says this. The lie in our lives is that what divides us, what our differences, sorry, have to divide us. Our differences have to divide us. You see, for, for so many of us, it's like, man, if someone disagrees with me, if someone sees things differently than I see them, I can't be friends with them. I, I can't be seen with them. And it's so funny because when it comes to the church, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, the church, uh, I'm just going to be honest, we do differ on a lot of stuff than, than the society does. And, and it's one thing if the outside society says, man, we can't be seen with those people. But it's another thing when the church says it. When it's like, we can't associate ourselves with those people. And so what happens is our differences begin to divide us. And for a lot of us, we think that our differences have to divide us. But what I want us to see this morning is that that is a lie. It's a lie. You see, I think a lot of us have bought this idea that unless we, in order to love someone, I have to agree with everything that they do. In order to love someone, I have to agree with everything that they do. That's a lie. Parents, you know that's a lie. Because you don't agree with most things your kids do a lot of times. But it's like, I still love them. So this morning, I want to get past that lie, and I want us to get down to the truth. And so if that is the lie that we believe, here's the truth. The truth is this. What unites us is so much stronger than what divides us. What unites us is so much stronger than what divides us. Friends, this morning, what I want to do is I want us to begin to broaden our horizon. I want us to begin to see people and to see each other, not by our differences, by what we have in common, by what unites us, by what we have in common. Because when we can begin to see what we have in common with people, when we can begin to see how we can relate to people, then we can learn how to love people. And I believe that when we focus on what unites us as opposed to what divides us, we will then begin to make an eternal impact. So this morning, we're giving the book of Luke chapter 14. Before we get to the verse, uh, I want to give you guys just a little background uh, on the book of Luke. For those who are just kind of getting used to knowing their Bibles, the book of Luke is found in the New Testament. And it's one of the four Gospels. What a Gospel means is that it's uh, one of the four books in the New Testament, all about the life, death, and eventual resurrection of Jesus. And so where we pick up our story in Luke chapter 14 this morning, uh, Jesus is at the home of these guys called the Pharisees. It's a Sabbath afternoon. They're sharing together in a meal. And what the Bible says is that Jesus is there at the house with a Pharisee. Now, we need to understand something about this picture that we have in Luke chapter 14. At this time, Jesus and the Pharisees, Jesus and the religious leaders, they didn't always see eye to eye on everything. For the Pharisees, for the religious leaders, in fact, a lot of what Jesus did actually offended them. A lot of what he did, they, they, they said, was in direct opposition to what they were trying to do. And so if you ever read the Bible, a lot of times Jesus will be speaking, Jesus will be preaching, he'll be teaching, and then you'll read something under it, and it will say the Pharisees were plotting on how they could kill him. 
or the Pharisees were plotting about how they could arrest him. And so what I'm trying to show us is that in the Bible, there's Jesus and there's the religious leaders known as the Pharisees, uh, and they're on two opposite ends of the spectrum. But what's so interesting and what should catch our attention in Luke chapter 14 is that Jesus is at their home sharing a meal. Jesus is at their home sharing a meal. You have to understand this. In, in ancient, um, or I should say in the first century, uh, in order to share meals, that was a very intimate experience. You didn't just eat with anyone. And so we have these two opposing people and, and Jesus, and in verses 1 to 6 of Luke 14, they're talking about the Sabbath. And how Jesus saw the Sabbath and how the Pharisees saw the Sabbath was completely different. And what was so interesting, before Jesus speaks, he asks, and remember this, but we'll get back to it in a second. Jesus says, well, what do you guys think? He's like, what's your opinion on this? And they don't say anything, and so Jesus goes on to say what he thinks. And what happens is the Pharisees are deeply offended. They think differently than Jesus. They don't see things how Jesus sees things. But what's interesting is if Jesus, who is truth, and the Pharisees don't see things how Jesus sees them, what that means is Jesus doesn't see things how, he, how they see them either. And so we have these two opposing forces, in a sense, at the same table sharing a meal. That's the background before we get to the verse that I want us to read. These are two groups who disagree. In verse 7, Jesus says this. He says, When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. He said, When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has been invited? The host will come and say, Give this person your seat, then you will be embarrassed, and you have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, Take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. Verse 11, this is the one I want us to see. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So Jesus here, in a sense, that this whole thing with the head of the table, uh, don't get too caught up in it because I think more than anything, it's almost an object lesson, right? It's an, almost an object lesson. You see, Jesus is trying to teach a lesson to these people because these people were very prideful, right? And so a lot of them, they wanted to sit at the head of the table because that, that, that was a seat of honor. It was a seat of prestige. And so Jesus has to say to them, hey, you know what? Like, that doesn't really matter, like your pride doesn't really matter. And so this whole object lesson on pride and, and how this connects to our differences, one thing that I've realized in life, the reason that so many of us when it comes to conflict, when it comes to differences in our lives, one of the reasons we can't see eye to eye on things, it really comes down to pride. It comes down to this idea that, well, I think that I'm right. I think how I view things is right. I think how I interpret the Bible is right. I think how I view my views on sexuality, that is what is right. And so we become so high, we become so full of pride that we refuse to see anything from anyone else's perspectives. And so I love what Jesus says because what he is saying, he's saying those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said, if you want to do something great, if you want to make an impact, he says, you need to be humble. You know, friends, I've realized one thing in my life. One of the main roots of conflict in my life is that I'm always right. Anyone else like that? I'm going to be honest. I am always right. My wife didn't like that very much. 
And so what happens in so many conflicts, and I'll tell you this, honestly, the most contentious relationship in my life is probably between me and my brother, because my brother is very argumentative and I'm always right. So it's like a, it's a match made somewhere. And so what happens though, and I've realized is in arguments and the reasons that our differences divide us is because for so many of us, we'll spend the majority of the time trying to get someone else to see things how we see things, right? And the root of that is really pride. It's like, I need to be right. I need them to see things how I see things. It's funny, I was reading this book and, and really like it literally changed my life uh, for the good when it comes to conflict. Some of you guys, uh, you may have seen this before, but uh, it tells the story of this college professor. And uh, in college, the professor showed an image on the screen. Megan, if we could get the image up uh, behind us. He showed this image on the screen to his class. And what he said to his class, he said, what do you guys see when you look at this picture? So I'll ask you guys this, the church here. What do you guys see when you look at this picture? A woman. What kind of lady do you guys see? A young. Some say an old. Okay. So he tells this story, and as the class looks at the picture, half of the class says, I see an elegant young lady, ready to go out on the night on the town, wherever she may be going. The other half of the class, when they looked at it, they say, I actually see a sad old lady. And it's funny, as I read this book, and as I looked at this picture, as hard as I tried, like I literally looked at it for so long, all I could see was the young, elegant lady. Is there anyone who can't see both in this picture? A few people? I'll, I'll tell you guys after the key of the differences. But it's funny, as I was looking at it, I was looking at it for so long, and I could not tell that there was two things in there. And so the professor, as he tells this story about his class, he says the class got into one of the most heated arguments in his time as a teacher. Half of the class was saying, no, it's a young lady. And the other half of the class was saying, no, it's an old lady. But what's funny and what's interesting and what really just what jogged my mind in a way I had never thought before, this is what the book said. He said, here is the ultimate irony and one thing that does not make sense in life, but it is true. He said, both groups are right. He said, both groups are right. And, and I realized something when it came to conflict, when it came to differences. I said, what if in the times in my life when things are the most contentious, what if both of us are right? What if both of us are right? And get this, to be right doesn't necessarily mean that there is truth, but to be right is just right in terms of what you see. You see, when it comes to conflict, a lot of us, we want that person to see things from our point of view. You need to see the biblical understanding of how we look at this. But you see, they have a completely different perspective. And from the picture that they are looking at, what they believe is actually true. And so this is why there is so much conflict. This is why there's so much division in the world. Because for so many of us, we're looking at the same picture. We're looking at different pictures, I should say. And we're looking at the same picture, but two different things are coming out. And this is really the root of conflict. And so I love what Jesus says here. Because as I look at this story, as I look at Jesus eating with these Pharisees, eating with people who are different than him, eating with people that Jesus knew believed things that were not right and were not true, Jesus is still there. He still has his seat at the table. So friends, we're talking about how can we get to that point where what unites us is greater than what divides us. I think the first thing that we need to do as a people is we need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves. That's what Jesus says. 
To humble yourself means the next time you get into an argument, you're saying, I'm not here to win, I'm here to understand. I want to see things from your point of view. I want to see the world from your point of view. I want to see the world how you see things. Because, friends, understand this. Every single one of us comes from a different background. Every single one of us looks at the world differently. Every single one of us sees things differently. And so if we're so focused on getting people to see things from our perspective, then all that will happen is our differences will begin to divide us even more. And so to humble yourself means I'm not here to be right. I'm not here to show you what I see, what I think. I want to hear how you see the world. Friends, I have a belief that as a church, if we could begin to have that mindset, like I'm not here to be right, I'm here to understand, what would happen? What, what could it look like? How many people could dance? And, and when I see Jesus, when I see Jesus in the Bible, Jesus was always in crowds. He was always surrounded by people that I don't think Jesus agreed with. I don't think Jesus even approved of a lot of the things and a lot of the people that he surrounded himself with. But the fact that Jesus was even able to get into the door was because I think that he humbled himself. He said, I'm here to understand. I'm here to learn. I'm here to listen. That was his whole mission on earth. It was to, to sympathize with us. We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us because he's experienced what we've experienced. But for so many of us, we won't humble ourselves. It's like they better believe what I believe. And what happens is it's division, it's division, it's division. And when we have division, when we're on this high horse, we can never get low enough to see what we have in common. I was reading um, this thing called the Peace Prayer. Uh, I made a reference to it a few weeks ago uh, on Instagram Live. And in the Peace Prayer, it's a prayer by a man named St. Francis uh, of Assyrian. He wrote this Peace Prayer. When I was in school, we had to memorize this prayer. And... Uh, I was reading it this last weekend. Something stuck out to me that never really stuck out to me before. But in the midst of this peace prayer, there's this line in there that I thought was so profound. He just says, Lord, help me first to seek understanding before I seek to be understood. You see, so many of us in life, we want to be understood. It's like, man, you got you to know where I come from. You, gotta know my, you don't know me. You don't know my story. And so we just, we close ourselves off. But I love what this prayer says. He says, before anything, God, he says, today, I want to understand people. I want to understand my family. I want to understand my coworkers. I want to understand why they believe that about what they believe. I want to understand what formed their values. I want to understand what formed their opinions. Friends, I want to challenge us this week when it comes to people in our lives. What if we first sought to understand before we start to be understood? Couples out there in your marriages, I'm telling you, it's going to help you out. Next time you want your wife to, to see things from your point of view, first see things from her point of view. I've realized the majority of conflict in relationships is because we just want the other person to believe and agree what we believe, right? But it doesn't really matter because if we hurt them, it doesn't matter if we didn't mean to hurt them because they, we hurt them. And that's their understanding. And so if we seek first to understand rather than being understood in every single relationship, we will begin to be united. But what happens when we want to be understood, that's where division comes from. And so Jesus says those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I, I promise you'll begin to see a change in your relationships when you humble yourselves. That's what Jesus is saying. So he says this next. Then Jesus turned to his host in verse 12. He says, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends your brothers, your relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, 
and the blind. One thing I've realized in life, the easiest thing in the entire world is to surround yourself with people who are just like you. People who think like you, people who act like you, people who agree with you, people of the same socioeconomic class, people with the same hobbies, the same interests. It's the easiest thing in the world because people that are like us, a lot of times conflict is less. There's less humbling that we have to do. There's less understanding we have to do. But one of the hardest things in the entire world is to surround ourselves with people who are different than us. And it's funny, I love what Jesus says here to these Pharisees. And, and Jesus isn't just saying it, he's living it. And that's the difference between me and Jesus. I come up here and I say things, but Jesus always lived it. I try to live it, but Jesus always lived it. Right? And so what Jesus said, he said, surround yourself with people who are different than you. Now get this, in the context of what he's saying, the blind, the poor, uh, uh, the, the handicapped, in this time, people, these were people that were considered cursed. These were people that were considered unclean that you would not associate with. And so what Jesus says, Jesus says, I need you to go below yourself. I need you to humble yourself. I need you to start being less about yourself and more about other people. Here's the second thing. We want unity. We want to begin to restore relationships. We want to find out what unites us. We need to be about other people. We need to start to be about other people. I was reading this verse, and one of the reasons I wanted to preach on this, I read this verse, and, and he just said, when you have a luncheon, and I read the whole verse again, and I realized in my life, man, I only hang out with people that I like. I only hang out with people that we kind of have things in common. And I asked myself, I was like, man, how often am I sharing a meal with someone who thinks completely different than me? How, long, how often am I hanging out with people who have different viewpoints, different ideologies, and it spoke to me. And, and when I took this and what I say, it was like, man, this is so hard. But if we do it, relationships will be restored. Heaven will come to earth. Boundaries will be broken. The church can actually be the church. I'm, I'm going to speak a little bit about our, our values here at Kingdom Church. And if you come to Growth Track after service, it's week three, so we won't talk about it. But if you come in the future, we will. But one of the values of the church is that we want to be a church where people that don't go to church would like to come to church. That's, that's like the, the simplest vision of this church. Because I look at what Jesus says. Jesus says, when you have a party, when you have a gathering of people, he says, invite those who are different than you. And when we talk about our church, when we talk about our values, we want church to be a party. We want this to be the best day of your week, the best time of your week. And so we take what Jesus says literally. When you have a gathering, he says, invite people that are different than you. We want to be a church where people who wouldn't go to church would like to be here and to feel welcome. And one of the biggest barriers, people say, man, I can't invite my friends, I can't invite my coworkers, I can't invite my family to church because they believe differently than you, than me. But as a church, we think this. We think belonging is so much more important than believing. And we think that people belong far before they believe. And so we, ha we, we have a value, we have a code here at Kingdom Church that if someone comes here, if they come through this door, we want you to know that you belong here. We don't care what you think. We don't care what you do. We don't care how you act, how you dress, whatever it may be. You belong here. And you are valued because Jesus says you're valuable. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter how I view life. We want you to belong here far before you believe. The problem with churches is churches try to get people to believe them belong. But it's a lot harder to get someone to believe if they don't feel like they belong. And so as a church, man, we are dedicated. That's, that's one of our values. People believe after they belong. We're taking Jesus' advice literally. We're saying, man, we want to be about other people. 
We want to be about other people. Because get this, when we get down to the crux of it, when we get into that room together, when people are together, when people can talk, when people can do life together, what they will realize is that there are so many things that we have in common as opposed to what we don't have in common as opposed to what separates us. One thing I've realized about people, I don't care if you're a Christian, I don't care if you're an atheist, I don't care if you're whatever. All of us need hope. All of us feel. All of us hurt. All of us cry. All of us have joy. All of us have, have heartache. All of us have relationships. All of us need hope. All of us need a savior. We have so much more in common than what divides us. And so we focus on this little thing that divides us as opposed to this huge thing that unites us. You know what unites us? We're all humans. We're all created in the image of God. That's what unites us. And I'll tell you this, there's one thing that I hate more than anything else in the world and life, and I promise as a church we will never do this. I hate when churches act against churches. When there's beef, when there's dissension within churches. Because we all act good, like, man, we're the body of Christ, da 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 but then when it comes down to it, it's like, wait a second, what do you believe about death? What, what, what do you believe about, about prophecy? And, what, and we have all of these little things that can divide us. And then we miss out on what unites us. Do you believe that we are saved by faith? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus is our, is our righteousness? That our, that our salvation is found in him? That our hope is found in him? Yes. Then guess what? We have a whole lot more in common than we do apart. And here at Kingdom Church, we say it all the time, we will never speak ill of any other church, any other place, any other organization, because if they are working for Jesus, then we're on the same team. And lives are being changed there, lives are being restored. So we don't care if you come here, go there, but remember, we're with you, we're on your side. We need to live it out. Jesus says, invite those who are different than you. Be about those who are different than you. Be about other people. And so I'm just sharing a little bit about our church, but I want us to push past fake news. It's fake news. It's fake news that our differences have to divide us because they don't. Because get this, every single one of us, no matter who you are, we are all different in some way. Not everyone's going to agree with you. Not everyone's going to see things from your perspective. Christy, my wife, I love her more than life itself, but we don't see eye to eye on every single issue in the world. Does that mean that we can't love each other? No. It's a lie that says if we disagree with someone, we don't love them. That's a lie that we need to push past. And, I, and friends, I'm not really concerned about the outside world and trying to get the outside world to love the church. How about let's first love the outside world and just see what happens? Because we have so much more in common than we realize. Just because we don't agree on something, get this, doesn't mean we have to disagree on everything. Just because we don't agree on something doesn't mean we have to disagree on everything. So Jesus says, when you invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, in verse 14, look what he says. He says, at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. He says, at the end of the day, at the very end of time, when, when people have that moment when, when they're going to see Jesus face to face, he says, at that time, he says, what you've invested in will begin to show fruit. Here on earth, when we put aside our differences, when we realize what, what unites us is so much stronger than what divides us, I promise us, friends, it will have an eternal impact. And so I want to encourage us this week, wherever we go, in whatever relationships we have this week, I want us to invest in eternity. I want us to invest in eternity.
I, uh, I was thinking this week back to one of my friendships that I have. Uh, I have a friend, a very good friend, a very close friend. His name's Jorge. He's here in the room this morning. Give him a shout right there. He's, uh, he's going to be sharing with us in a few weeks. Um, and he's, he's shared here before. He has a small group. And he's one of my best friends um, in the world. And I was just sort of thinking about our, our friendship and our relationship and where it came from. And I remember when I first met him. And now one thing you have to know is Jorge and I, we come from very different backgrounds. He grew up poor. I grew up rich. He sold drugs. I sold candy out of my locker. Like, <laughs> completely different backgrounds. We came from two sides of the fence. And uh, I remember when I first met him, one of the first things he did, and I knew he could help me out, is he helped me break into my car because I locked my keys in there. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sure a drug dealer has some experience with this. And uh, <laughs> I remember at that time, like, he did that, and that was kind of our only real interaction, and then we never really talked again for a long time. Um, and, and it's funny, I, it wasn't a conscious decision I made, but I think subconsciously it was like, man, we just come from two different worlds two different sides of the track. And, and, and I remember a few months later, he started this Bible study, and one of the first things he did, he just asked me a simple question. He's like, hey, you want to come? You want to hang out? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And long story short, in that Bible study, in that time, God began to change my life. He began to change other people's lives. And from that relationship, uh, I, 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 this church came from that. My salvation came from that. The fact that I'm a pastor came from that. And I was just thinking about it this week is because we are so different. We're so different. The, 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 even our hobbies and our interests are different. But I think back and I wonder, man, if those differences, what if those differences left us divided forever? Like, what would happen? Where would I be? Where would he be? Where would this church be? But what I realized through the course of that friendship, and it's one of my strongest friendships, I realized, man, we have so much more in common than we have apart. We are so much more similar to each other than we are different from each other. And it just taught me a lesson as I look back and as I thought on it, because all of us do this. All of us create invisible walls, invisible barriers of people that we will be with, people we will associate with. But I just wonder and I just think to myself, man, if I would have let our differences divide us, what would have happened? Where would I be? I want to encourage us, friends, because I believe there is someone in your life, maybe you don't even know them yet, Maybe it's someone you wrote off a long time ago because you guys are just too different. But I want to encourage us to seek first to understand that person because when we understand that person, we will realize that we have so much more in common than we have apart. And friends, I just wonder, I just wonder, is there someone in your life that you can make an eternal impact with? Is there someone one day, that one day, that glorious day when they see Jesus, they'll say, man, the reason I am here is because of you. It's because of that person that talked to me. It was because of that, that, that person. And I, I never thought they would talk to me. I thought we were too different. I thought we just believed too differently. But it's because of them that I'm here. And that's what Jesus says. He says, that will be your reward. I don't know about you, friends, but that's a good reward. If I can say at the end of my life, at the end of my time, that someone made it to Jesus because of me, then I know, man, I've lived a life worth it. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message was exactly what you needed to hear. If you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca and you will find everything that you need and more. Take care.